ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 125 of the MTB podcast, presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. I am Jared. I am Liam. I'm Jeff. I skipped you. What? Yeah, you oh. did. Yeah. Is it normally the other way around? Yeah. I wasn't paying attention. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in this episode, we will discuss why center lock rotors require require a PhD in engineering to get the right lock ring. That's a little of a exaggeration, but is it know, though? Well, well, because we'll discuss later, and we'll see. Yeah, we'll see who. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm currently not riding a new bike that I've been wanting to ride because of a center lock rotor lock ring. <sighs> Liam's no longer top secret trip to Germany and what he did there. The bikes and rides we've been enjoying lately, plus listener questions ranging from essential tools to travel with, latte or espresso, and should you go with carbon or alloy for your next bike, Mm. which we've talked about carbon or alloy, carbon or alloy, and a lot of people have, but you know what? It almost changes every year. Yeah. Alloy alloy bikes get better, carbon bikes change. It's true. You need to warm up the mouth. I need to warm up the mouth. I was- uh, You were distracted. I was distracted. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, get in the game. This couple sips of this- beverage too quickly he's wasted (laughs) 10 minutes slurring my words already (laughs) he's wasted all right give me a let me gain my composure you read the first segment all right the first segment zach's words of wisdom always bet 100 on black (laughs) it's unbelievable which he's never done that anytime you go he does it every time yeah every time you go to casino every time go to the roulette table hundred dollars on black guarantee you win it's not a guarantee. But he says, 75 percent of the time you'll win. So you go in, you put a hundred on black, and he's like, he's like, I've won more than I've lost. So yeah. you just do that and then you just walk away. And then he probably goes and spends his two hundred dollars on penny slots for yeah. the rest of the night. Yeah. <laughs> for the record, I took this advice. Last time I was in Vegas, I took the advice and I won. And I walked away. Hundred dollars richer. We're gonna need to put one of those financial disclaimers. Like this does not constitute <laughs> <Yeah>. investment advice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, followed by Daniel's fun fact: Australia is wider than the moon. Pretty cool. Sounds like there's probably a lot of things wider than the moon in that case. Then, well, <laughs> I was gonna say the best your mom joke. Oh, dang. oh yeah. That's kind of that's kind of wild. It's, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you don't really think of Australia as being that big, right? I mean, but it's huge. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I've never been to Australia. I haven't been there, but I also just imagine it being massive. Like, it's yeah. big. Like they, I've I've heard another fun fact that like Sydney to Perth is like further than like all kinds of dif- distances in the world. Yeah, actually, fun fact. Mm-hmm. Fun that fun fact. I think I'm pretty sure an Australian li- uh, listener emailed in after I. I talked about the San Antonio fact. And he's like, uh-huh. I think Texas is big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he like, started rattling till, off these yeah. Australia things. Yeah. Let me tell you about yeah. Australia, mate. <laughs> Man, we got to go there. We, we should. do. Yeah, we, we do. Really like well, we really I, do. I'd love to obviously hit mainland Aussie, but I I really want to hit a New Zealand and a Tassie trip. Yeah. yeah. And that's like top of my next go riding Phil. trips. Phil uh, wanted to put on a, a Tassie trip. Ooh. But- I don't know if it's going to work out in 2024, but maybe 2025. Wow. He is going to do basically the same Dolomites Italy trip that we did, but a little refined version. Oh, yeah. mm. So Where if any of you pigs. listeners are interested, we're not going to be there this time around, but 
uh, it's going to be an awesome trip. Wow. Probably better than the one we did because it'll be exactly what we did, but just a <laughs> refined. more refined version of it. <laughs> yeah. Not that ours wasn't refined, but there was a couple things that I think they learned in terms of takeaways of which rides to do what day and For that sure. sort of thing. I mean, you, you could learn. do that trip five times and you'll learn something on a fourth trip yeah. to make the fifth Absolutely. trip better, right? Like that's mm -hmm. just how those trips go. So. Well said. Yeah. Speaking of riding bikes, how about the bikes and rides we've been enjoying lately? Yeah. Well, I'll go last because mine leads into the the first topic regarding center lock rotor woes. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why, why don't you go? You, I'll go first. You haven't ridden in a while because you well, were you were sick under the weather and now you yeah. came back swinging. I Jared, rode, well, Jared was down bad. I was down bad. I rode actually right before I got sick. And, yeah. you know, funny enough, it might have been exactly why I got sick because mm, I thought it would be because it was like stretch. raining, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to. I'm going to go ride in the rain with my, with my, you know, shell yeah. on. And it was so fun. And uh, there was a couple of the guys out there and we were just like, yeah, <laughs> like we we're loving it. It was awesome. I had such a great time. And I was actually riding the Banshee Prime. And I was like, All right, I'm going to go shred this bike. And it was super fun. Um, and I was fine. I felt like, okay, the next day, whatever, not great. But I was like, went for a night ride the next day. And the day after that, I woke up a sore throat. And that's like when the whole thing started. But speaking of the prime, it might have been a contributing factor, but Probably. I don't think that's why you got. I'm sure, I was already like compromised, and then I was yeah. just like, "Yeah, here you go, immune system." Yeah. Um, but that prime was prime, 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 dude, prime, super sick. Love that bike, really fun. Banshee prime, Banshee prime. Yeah, what is that? One twenty-five travel. One thirty-five. One fifty. One thirty-five rear. One fifty-four. Okay. Yeah. You should have had that right memorized. Now. You should know that, dude. I should have had it memorized. I'm yeah. pretty sure I thought it was one. One of the three of us should have had it memorized. <laughs> We've all rode the bike and enjoyed it. Bring it up faster, Jeff. Um, 135 mil travel. Okay. Well, but what fork was on it? The, the MRP? MRP. But how much travel on it? Like the, I think 150. 150. Probably. So it was 150 in the front and then yeah. 135 yeah. in the back. Um, I love that travel range of bike. Like yeah. 130 oh, mil travel 29er is it was so such fun. a good one quiver setup. Yeah. Pedaled super well. Quiver killer. Pedaled super well. The rear suspension on that bike, I mean, I'm sure it's the same way with the Titan, like just yeah. how well that rear suspension works. It really works good. Um, yeah, just like super efficient, great pedaling platform. But then like once you start kind of pushing it and like that suspension, yeah. oh my God, it just works super well. Yeah, once I got the, everything kind of dialed in, it just felt super good. Just a really well-rounded bike. It was super fun. Yep. Um, Agreed. Yeah. I was just like, man, this thing rocks. That riding that bike and then riding that Titan, it's just, it's just one of those things to me. I ride that and it really reminds me. It's like, wow, these bikes from these small boutique mountain bike brands are in every way, shape and form as good and arguably better than the biggest of the biggest brands out there that totally. are putting, you know, all this money and marketing and hype and graphics and paint. And it's just like there's yeah, for sure. small brands making bikes better than yours. Yeah. And that's that's cool because there's not many industries where there's contenders like that yeah. or where you can't even contend like that the right. way that Banshee does yeah. within well, the bike industry, which which is just rad. I love that. Super rad. of Banshee, mm -hmm. they... The U.S. guys came out and visited us, Brian and Michael, last week and got off a ride with them. And it's just cool to hear some of the just like more detailed facts that I don't think Banshee does a great job about telling people. So mm -hmm. we're here to tell them about it. Just like some of the hydroforming they do on the frames yeah. and they use 7000 series aluminum hydroformed, which like no one else is doing that. Like no other bike brands are using 7000 series hydroformed alloy and welding that yeah. um and like their cnc like 
hydroformed areas for their shocks and their bottom brackets and where all that mounts. Like it's yeah, just cradle. so rad. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so, you know, well thought out. It works um, super well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just hearing those little things. And and I also asked them because I was curious because all their bikes, right? They're, it was it the, I f- forgot the short travel bike name. Do you know? Oh, Spitfire? Fan, no, fan, no. I want to say Phantom or. Mm. Uh, There's a Spitfire and a Phantom. There's a 115 rear travel. The 115 rear travel 29 Paradox? Is that the hardtail? I think that's a hardtail. Yeah. The Prime and a Titan. Yeah. They look like they could share the same platform. Right. Right? As, yeah, as, the, and I asked them. The like, Phantom is 115. The Phantom. Back, so yeah. Phantom, Prime, Titan look like they could share the same platform. And even the 27.5 bikes, like maybe they share the front triangle. And he said none of them at all share triangles or rear ends. Really? I think he said – or one or two of them might share a rear end. But he said they're all – pretty much unique um and they share some hardware parts like some some bearing and bolts and pivot bolts mm-hmm. um but for the most part they're completely unique as well so i was wow. like oh that's cool because you know you see a lot of, a lot of brands that share triangles like that and it's like is that the best bike or is that to save costs right. you know which obviously for a small brand you have to save costs like those are really expensive jumps to get into a complete bike. But you know, the big brands sure. are doing that more. Exactly. Yeah. Because that little bit of, a, oh, we'll save the mold and use it for these three models is more meaningful when you make a thousand bikes a year rather than a hundred. Well, yeah. Or, you know, a million bikes a year yeah. rather than a hundred. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I just thought that was really cool to hear kind of all these details and stuff about Banshee that, you know, go a little bit untold. Yeah. So super cool bike. Yeah. That was fun. Nice. Yeah. So that was it. You rode the Prime and then you... And then you I rode sick. the Prime and then I Hit got the sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. It was horrible. And then I went for a ride on Saturday just like into Sycamore on my Druid and it was Did you feel so relatively okay? Uh, Cart ride? And yeah, actually, and I felt okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like just, Sometimes you know. if I ride after being sick, it takes... <clears throat> even if you're like, oh, I feel better now. And then you go for a ride and you're like, wow, I still just don't... Like I don't for feel sure. myself. Did not have the endurance. Yeah, um, exactly. And I just was like so tired. I went mm-hmm. for like an hour and I was just like so zonked the rest of the day. <laughs> so like, this is not cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean. Recovery you know, time. It's, it's just annoying. But yeah, I mean, on that note, it's super fun to just like get out on the Druid and like, I don't know. You, you, if, after you don't ride for a while, you just like pick up your bike and you're like, oh man, this thing is so sick. And, like, and then you go ride like one of your favorite trails. You're like, oh man, it's so fun. Like. Gosh, I like bikes this are great. sport. <laughs> yeah. This is so fun. More people should do this. Bikes are good. <laughs> bikes yeah. are good. Yeah. Yeah. It was just fun, you know, especially after being sick and like cooped up for like a week, you know? Yeah. Just like, wow. Mm-hmm. What about you guys, huh? Um, Lily's been putting in the miles. I'm, I've been putting in some miles, a lot on the, actually a lot, most of the miles and rides on my Ranger, mm. which has just been, you know, workhorsing it about in the locals. But uh, I rode my Rail 2.9. Uh, on Saturday with some friends and we rode out um, on the east side of Conejo Valley and it was really fun. Nice. The dirt was still pretty good and it's just really fun to ride like the trail bike on trails that weren't a good trail bike. For sure. Um, the steeps know. and stuff? Yeah, some of the steeps and, and stuff out that way. So Nice. Yeah, it was fun. We got in like a, I think we did like a 5K day on trail bikes. Sick. Um, so yeah, got a bunch of good downhill laps and I just really like that bike. That Rail 29 is such a good all-around bike. 5K day might not make sense to some people. Uh, 5,000 feet <laughs> of elevation climbing yeah. and descending. There you go. All on a pedal bike. I thought you rode 3.1 miles. <laughs> mm, yeah. 
5,000 feet up, 5,000 feet down on See, trail bikes. So. one thing we do at the MTB podcast is we want to help, um, you know, the general mountain biker understand random terms like, oh, yeah, I did a 5K a day. Yeah. You know, when guys like Liam just, like, shoot it off and don't realize. Or when Joe's like, oh, I was just riding this 140 on the Northern Suicide Trail. It's like, okay, what do you mean by 140? What trail is that? Yeah. I'm trying to just make sure yeah. people people learn little takeaways and they're like, oh, I know what that means oh, now. Yeah. Get them the urban dictionary of mountain biking, yeah. oh. but the appropriate version. I don't know why this is a little tangent, but similar. Like when people say, oh, yeah, it's my 150 bike, but it's a 150 fork, but it's 130 rear. Mm. I always think that's wrong. Yeah, that it's, is wrong. It's not really like a right or a wrong, but in my head, I just think it's wrong because to me, that yeah. refers to your rear travel, right? Not yeah, your you're front pretty much travel. always referring to the rear, yeah. rear travel. But some it. people be like, "Oh no, it's my 150 bike," and it's like you have a 154, but you only yeah. have 130 in the rear, so 130 is going to hurt down this trail. I thought you were bringing a 150 bike; that might feel good, you know. Right. <laughs> I saw a bike on Pink Bike that was actually named after the front fork travel, and I was like, "That doesn't make any sense. Why you do that? What bike? For, it was some super obscure. Who would like, do little, that? Like you know, Offensive. one of those brands that you pop up and you're like, "Oh, I never heard of that bike brand," and then mm. you know, I wonder why. I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that Rail 29 I have is good. <clears throat> yeah. It's cool bike. Ri- love to have thing. one of those one day. Yeah, those Rail 29s do look sweet. I would like to build one of those at some point. There's just a lot of bikes I want to build right now. I was right going to say, you got it's like a problem, couple man. bikes on the t- front of your mind that you want me to build. Yeah. So When are you going to build that uh, Forbidden, huh? The Druid? <sighs> I don't know. I do really want to build one of those Forbidden. I think you should make it white. Mm. A white one. I was also looking at Jared's Pro bike white. the other day and... Yeah. Uh, the paint is so nice. It is like, so nice oh, to have them just r- get a brand new forbidden where the paint is so well done. Yeah. Just, gonna, just have someone rip it right off, have Techno rip it right off and make it white. I yeah, mean, makes sense, but also at the same time, the paint's so nice, especially that black one. It's like all sparkly, and yeah, that thing is so cool. Yeah, it's hard to rip off paint that's that good. Yeah, I was Plus, uh, someone's uh, got to do it. <laughs> I was riding, yeah, someone's got to do it. I was riding your bike when you were out of town. Oh, were you? Yeah, I just when I filmed a little stupid Instagram story about the Black Friday sale, and nice. I was just riding around the shop on your bike, nice. filming myself. Rides great, yeah. huh? Yeah, it's rides great. That was my big <laughs> ride lately. Just riding around the showroom of the oh. shop, filming Instagram stories. <laughs> segue to that. Yeah, yeah that was right. a segue. You, you did a good ride last weekend. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I rode. I rode. Put a decent ride on the Ranger. Um, got out when the dirt was really good because we mm. got just a random decent amount of rain, and the totally. dirt was awesome. So good that. Day. And yeah. it was that really weekend, good. I should say. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was nearly perfect. I think there was a couple spots where it was actually a little too muddy and kind of caked the tires, but yeah. for the most part it was flawless. Ninety eight percent of the ride was perfect. Mm. Yeah, it was fun. I hadn't done like a longer local ride in a while and wanted to just get out and spend some time on the Ranger, which was fun. Um but what I've been wanting to ride is the Revel Rover oh, yeah. gravel bike. Mm-hmm. Freshly built in the back there mm. in a custom one-off blue color from Revel. Wow. All black components. It looks so good. It looks sick. But. But. Center lock rotor issue. What's up with center lock rotors, man? And lock rings. Well, for starters, I am i don't like center lock rotors just to begin with at all. Like if I had the choice, I'd never use them. Um, occasionally they come. I, mean, I won't say they're bad, but I've just seen so many more of those come loose than six bolt rotors. Right. I don't know if I've ever even witnessed. I've heard people, they're like, oh, I've seen a six bolt rotor come loose. And I'm sure it's happened, but I've never seen it in my entire life ever. And I've seen at least 10 center lock rotors come loose. Yeah. And it's just annoying when they do because you don't have the tool. No. For starters, there's two different tools. There's either a bottom bracket (laughs) tool or a cassette tool, depending on which center 
<laughs> center lock <laughs> ring lock ring you have. Yeah. And then if a if a six bolt rotor comes loose, everybody's multi tool has a T twenty five on it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not a fan of center lock. I don't disagree with any of your points. However, I do love traveling with center lock. However, well, there yeah, when you have the tool, it's nice to take on and off. Even though you have to take an extra tool with you traveling, but yeah, yeah. it is nice to having just one tool. The convenience of installation is nice. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, along the lines, uh, building this bike is a bit of my. Uh, lack of planning a little bit. Um, I kind of like compuzzling. Well, yeah, I kind of compuzzled this bike together with like a build kit from Revel and like some other stuff I ordered on the own. And like, I wasn't really sure what the build kit came with. So like I got it and like, oh, I don't have brake bolts or I don't have rotors or, you know, and then I got them and then I ordered the rotors and then the rotors don't come with lock rings because no one can make up their mind whether you sell yeah. a center lock. Another problem yeah. with center lock rotors. Some this is rotors the biggest problem. Some rotors are lock rings and some aren't. Some rotors come with lock rings and some don't. And then some Shimano rotors come with lock rings for a 200 mil rotor that doesn't work with mountain bike hubs because it uses the cassette internally splined lock ring tool versus the externally splined bottom bracket tool. And those don't work with 15 mil axles. Two different you, lock ring types. Where you typically would like types. to put a 200 mil rotor. So Shimano, I don't know what you're doing. Um, and, and that being said, SRAM just often doesn't come with lock rings at all. So Because they don't know what you have. They, they don't assume you your hubs are going to come with them. And the hubs assume the rotors <laughs> are going to come with them. Or maybe they assume everyone assumes you're supposed to get them separately. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, no I, one's communicating with each literally other. Literally, I don't know. <laughs> so so I, got, I got down to, all right, I need brake bolts, got them, got the correct ones, need lock ring rotors, got them, ordered the wolf tooth ones. I think they are sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have them too. Yeah. So I ordered them up. Literally, Jeff's like, can you finish my bike? Finishing it right now. And I run back there, yeah. putting stuff on. Starting and he, to look and he, complete. And he's watching me. And I'm like, brakes are bled, everything. I just need to adjust the brakes. And I tighten up the front uh, the, the front wheel. axle. And I go spin the front wheel and it doesn't move. I'm like, okay, what's rubbing? And I look down. And the lock ring, the way it's it's not really a fault of anyone. It's not a fault really of – it's just a combination of faults of where the flat mount bolts are and the carbon has to bulge around the bolt is in the perfect bulge spot to run into the externally spline lock ring rotor. So you need the internally spline one for this bike. And I just bought the external ones just thinking – those are the ones we normally always use. Those are the use ones I use on mountain yeah. bikes. Mostly build mountain bikes that yeah. have 15 mil. So I have on my gravel bike. Shouldn't be an issue, right? Well, it makes the ever so slightest contact. So I pulled that off and I had to order internally spined ones. And that was on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And nothing <laughs> I was going to ride it on Thanksgiving. And yeah, nothing has been open until today. So they got ordered today. Oh, <laughs> In other words, if you've ever built a bike yourself or dealt with any type of these weird compatibility issues or strange things like this, uh, don't feel bad about yourself. And this will never end. Even if you own a shop, if you work in a shop, if you're around a bunch of people who have a collective century of worth of time in the bike industry, you will still run into problems where you can't ride your bike because you got X, the Y, and Z doesn't, because <laughs> X, Y, and Z is not compatible. It's incompatible. <laughs> yep. So hopefully let's say Wednesday that bike is riding. Perfect time for Jeff to leave on his next trip and not ride it for a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be for no, until no, next oh week. <laughs> what? Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Kerfuffle conundrum. It's a kerfuffle I conundrum. I know. That is insane. I know. Yeah. Oh, well. Bike and looks really good. You know what? If I was six bullet, you just walk on down to the old Home Depot and... Uh, <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. 
get yourself a little T25 and pop it in there. Or just yeah. grab one of our... Or like grab one of the million, million back there. The million yeah. back there, you know, Trail One titanium rotor bolt plug. There you go. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> Multiple colors available. Uh, yeah. Perfect opportunity for a Trail One center lock locker. <laughs> I've, I've, I've thought about I it. Know, but, uh, it's on, on the list of a maybe. What an ordeal. Yeah. Yeah, that was an ordeal. And well, that's why you need a PhD in engineering to get the right lockering. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch. You just or a PhD a... in bike component compatibility. Yeah. That's true. Actually, to get a PhD, you have to write some paper with some big like a thesis, thesis or something, right? Like yeah. this could be the thesis. So we Center could be compatibility. Who, who should take the onus of does the bike and the hubs come with the lock rings? Does the rotor come with the lock rings? Like who provides the lock, the right lock rings? Actually seems legit. Seems legit. I think we could make it happen. I think the hubs should come with them. See, because if it's a hub that has issue. 12, well, not really though, because it's a hub with a 12 mil or, right. you know, then it should come with the internally spliced it comes ones. with both. And then you pick whichever one works on your bike. That's wasteful. That's true. The environmental. The, the problem is I don't really know how to solve this. So, <laughs> yeah, because it is kind of a conundrum no matter which way you go. But speaking of engineering, you went to Germany to visit the SRAM. I guess that would be considered the European headquarters there. Yeah. Just outside of Frankfurt, or I guess quasi in Frankfurt. Um, Outside of Frankfurt, technically in Schweinfurt. Schweinfurt. Um, Yeah. I went there back in February of 2020, right before the world shut down. And you went to to the same location, right? Same location. Yeah. Yeah. You stayed at the B&B hotel right across the way? I don't even remember at this point. Did you walk there? Uh, I think so. From the yeah. hotel? Yeah, yeah. I, I just, so. I rolled in this hotel late and I've seen B&B hotels because they sponsor road bike team. Oh. But like a lot of these brands I see sponsor road bike teams. I don't know what they are yeah, until I get to European Europe. European brands. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyways, I went to SRAM for a lot of stuff that I can't talk about yet. Um, but a lot of see cool new product, cool new product. Um, but that facility is incredible. They took the you on the tour, right? And showed you yeah, all the, the different facility knick-knacks. was so cool. Um, they uh, so it originally was a Saks manufacturing center, which made some of the earliest internally geared hubs, which SRAM purchased. Wow, uh, like thirty years ago or something like yeah, that. A long time ago. Um, so they've been making bike parts. I th- want to say since the eighteen late eighteen hundreds. Wow! They've made bike parts in this facility. That's cool. So it has a ton of bike history. They showed us all kinds of internally geared hubs over the years, and then they have a huge facility uh, for testing drivetrain parts. So they have all these crazy machines that are just running chains and drive chains and shifting up and down for cycles and cycles and cycles. You know, like twenty thousand minutes or cycles or whatever you want to call it. Um, and yeah, so it's a lot of testing going on. You see that stuff and it's like, yeah, this is why not anyone can just make a drivetrain. Yeah. yeah. Because these guys are just having, you know, 30 engineers involved on this with 30 testers and so crazy. people just, you know, testing every scenario and the weather is bad there. So like I was just, just starting like, you know, tail end of fall, beginning in winter and like, they're like, oh, yeah, you think it sounds fun to be a tester where you literally ride five to eight hours a day on a bike? Wait for the next three months. It is freezing, the roads <laughs> yeah, are frozen, it. and it's raining, and they still have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually almost more important to test in these months yeah, than yeah. it is during the summer when it's nice. So, Gnarly. yeah, it was really cool. Um, hung out with Sven Nis, uh, f- you know, maybe the goat of cyclocross racing. Uh, cause you guys went to the cyclocross. Yeah. Was he was, it? he was there before. 
Um, he was at the SRAM facility. And then, yeah, on, on Sunday, SRAM took us a little VIP day to uh, the Cyclocross World Cup in the – it was in Belgium. So um, I don't know where in Belgium. I probably couldn't pronounce it if I knew where. Um, but, yeah, that's cool. So we went over to Belgium, saw a Cyclocross World Cup race, which is pretty wild. The fans there are really into it. Um, <laughs> a lot of people eating fries with mayo. Yeah, that's the thing there. Yeah, especially in Cyclocross. One of the big teams that sponsor them is Powell's, Powell's, and that's their whole thing. They're like food trucks with fries and mayo. So they Whoa. just like have these like a uh, – almost like a, a fair ice cream cone, uh-huh. but it's just fries with mayo just dumped all over it. Whoa. It ain't my style. Did but. you try it? Because it can't be the same kind of mayo. It's not just kind like of is. generic. I don't know. I had like mayo, a little bit, and I'm not really down – I'm not into mayo whatsoever ever. Hmm. Um, it's like their mayo is like a ranch in that regard, you know? Kind of, yeah. Like a condiment. Maybe they haven't there. tried ranch yet and realize how much but, better it is than no, mayo. I don't think they like ranch in Europe. I did. I did have a lot of a lot of beer there, and I don't do beer, so. Nice. Wow, when, when you're in when Germany. In Germany, yeah. yeah. Germany and Belgium, yeah. yeah. True. So, yeah, that was kind of the gist of my trip. It was fun. Short, quick. Nice. Made it back here. Nice. Speaking of short and quick, let's take a quick little break. Ooh. <laughs> wow. You think that was good? Yeah. <laughs> and now, a word from our sponsors. Hello, everyone. Jeff again. I just wanted to quickly remind you that we own a outdoor apparel brand called Kettle Mountain. We've made some mountain bike-specific pieces, including our bib, which people absolutely love, some mountain bike shorts, the Skidmark shorts. And we're also making a bunch of other stuff that just in general works great for lifestyle and really just adventure travel. If you want to check out some of the stuff, it's ketlmtn.com or just Google KETL. And since you are a loyal podcast listener and have listened to this far, grab 20% off your order with MTBPOD as the discount code. That is MTBPOD, 20% off. By the way, we have a couple awesome winter jackets, a puffy jacket called the Sierra Loft, and a rain shell called the Bodbrella, as in body umbrella, rain shell jacket. Good stuff for the winter. Thank you. That's all. And now, back to the show. Welcome. Listener questions. Listener questions. I want to put together a travel toolkit for my car or for going on bike trips. <laughs> I have laughing. a comprehensive set of tools at home, but it is too much to travel with. What are your essentials that you travel with? P.S. Why is Liam still in his pet rock phase? Ouch. It's not a phase, mom. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's a pet rock lifestyle. Okay. Yeah. It's not a phase, mom. It's a lifestyle. Well, this is a great question. Um, well... Depends how comprehensive you want. Basically, I make a kit that if you want to change a rear wheel or if you don't want to. Like, I think that's the kind of the differentiator of like how comprehensive the what kit should be. What do you mean by changing? Like swapping cassettes and cassette, stuff. And, mainly yeah. cassette stuff to take a cassette off, mm-hmm. on and off. So because you need a cassette tool and a chain whip mm-hmm. of some sort, whatever combination that might be. Um, for me... Swapping rear wheels when you travel is like kind of a necessity mm-hmm. the way, you know, people break rear wheels when the group that I ride with. So I'm always looking, you know, to travel with that. And that's what my kit has. Otherwise, I think a good set of really good Allens. And then also like a Wera makes these little um, like ratchet sets. Like yeah. sometimes I'll just send Jeff when he travels with his bike, which Those is like, like you yeah, know, pretty nice. comprehensive ratchet set. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nice thing of having Allen's in addition to that ratchet set 
is a lot of pivot hardware is two-sided. Right. So um, you need that. Uh, tire levers, um, usually stuff to put on and off rotors, some stuff to kind of align brake rotors. Uh, tire levers help with that too to push pistons back and forth. Um, it's kind of it. Like when we went to Italy, I didn't bring my full tool set. I just ripped apart some of my stuff. Like I didn't bring stuff to bring a rear wheel change because I was trying to be really minimal on what we were bringing. Mm -hmm. So I think I just grabbed like Allen's tire levers, lube, your tire pressure gauge, tire pressure gauge, shock pump. And I think that's kind of it. Basically anything like, you know, quick and dirty to repair. You know, yeah. Like, you know, um, I think I did throw my hag tool in there. So to hang our alignment gauge. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I threw that in there just cause that's easy to whack and get out of line. But yeah, that's about it. You could just look at the, a good multi-tool, like a crank brothers. Oh yeah. 17 is a great multi-tool. And then just take the larger version of those 17 tools. Wow. Cause it's a lot more convenient to use those than the multi-tool. <laughs> what a yeah. great way of putting it. <laughs> or just bring them both. Take Chain the multi-tool because you're going to ride with the multi-tool yeah. yeah. and just take the 17 of those things in the larger size. Yeah. Wow. Also, yeah. I brought that little Crank Brothers click floor pump, that I believe, cool. yeah. to Italy. Oh, yeah. Which that was is, a cool little gadget. It's like a little bit bigger than your frame pump, but you can pull it out and like get a pretty good pump up with it. So It's, it's got, got a little a, foot thing too, right? It's got a little right? foot so thing you can so you can like of, really get yeah. after it on the ground. That's right. Yeah. Get after it on the ground. Get after it on the ground. <laughs> So yep. talking about. Sounds like that's a pretty solid setup. How about the next question? Hi, I were you gonna say something? No, no, oh, go okay, ahead. Cool. Yeah, we'll go ahead. <laughs> Hi, I was wondering why not to have a mullet setup on my bike, thinking about upgrading. If I am tubeless and running an enduro bike, what are the fallbacks? Is climbing harder on a mullet? Well, I wouldn't really say climbing is well, I guess a little bit. A little bit of a little rolling. bit less you'll, efficient. You'll lack a little bit of rolling speed, but yeah. I think mostly it's gonna be what it does to your bike is your bike set up for a mullet like flip chip. Like mm. can you flip chip and reserve your geo and your pedaling characteristics and your pedaling position when going to mullet? If so, drawbacks are pretty minimal. Like besides the touch of rolling speed and rollover, you know, ability of the smaller rear wheel. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you're really truly like enduro downhill focused, like mullet might help you. Yeah. Um, I enjoy it. It's you fun. Probably yeah. enjoy it. It's yeah. fun. Helps you awesome, yeah. yeah. Don't really care how fast you're climbing, you know. But Enjoy if, it a little more on the downs. If your bike isn't set up for it, it might drastically change your geo mm -hmm. and your you cannot position. just slap a 27.5 yeah. inch wheel rear wheel on a bike that's made for 29 inch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that's that's basically the drawback, right? Is your bike set up for it and will it re retain stock characteristics, or are you going to throw everything out of whack just to have a smaller rear wheel that you know might make cornering a touch better, but like everything else worse yeah so for sure good points speaking of mismatched mismatched things <laughs> oh boy i ride mismatched brand wheels mismatched material and different brand tires how, ah! do, you like, how do you like them apples oh those gosh. are oranges man because they're sour lemons thank you for the amazing content bring on more coffee talk dark roast or light roast black or cream latte or espresso and also, I'm joking. You can ride whatever mismatch stuff you feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I realized some episodes back, uh, I thought we were being gentle, but clearly some people were a bit offended when we said we don't prefer or we, we must have made some kind of like, oh, or some snobby groan when we were talking about having mismatched brand tires. 
um, whatever we did, people did not like it. <laughs> I think a lot of people. Hey, people are just giving us a hard time. Yeah, I know, but yeah. I think people had. I think people felt uh, personally attacked. Yeah, personally they had called mismatched out. Mismatched tires, yeah. and they're like, oh, "These guys said it was stupid to do that." Like, I don't. <laughs> am I, am I, I not don't. cool on the trail? Yeah, maybe not by yeah. choice. It's, it's okay. not. It's not a. It's not something we would do or we would prefer. But it's obviously in this in the grand scheme of life on planet Earth, it really doesn't matter. So <laughs> don't. It doesn't matter. Don't philosophically. Yeah. No, it does not matter. Don't, don't worry lose. about it. If if you want to. Um, if you want to just end up a bike snob or look cooler in front of a bike snob, then yeah, you're going to need So his question wasn't about tires. mismatched anything. His question was actually about coffee. coffee, though. Yeah, it was about coffee. I'm going to go uh, dark roast espresso. Uh, you know what I just bought on Black Friday? Espresso machine? An AeroPress. Ooh, oh, nice. Yeah. Have you seen the espresso forge, though? No. Oh, don't even tell me about it. I just, I already, <laughs> oh. I don't want to have buyer's remorse. Well, the AeroPress is a, like way more affordable. The Espresso yeah, Forge say. is made by Sean Neer. He used to be a oh, yeah. Yeti yeah, yeah. rider. And it is like all CNC, super nice, full. It's like this tall with like a, I don't know, inch and a half cylinder. Uh, I don't have one. I just really yeah. want one. Um, but they look sick. And Same kind of thing. You just compress it down. Yeah. So it's like, you know, this maybe, yeah. I don't know. Espresso a, Forge, Yeah, it? a foot and a half tall. And you could just press down and it makes a single espresso. And it's all cnc mm. Made in the U.S., super sick looking. Sounds Air, cool. AeroPress is awesome for like lightweight camping, traveling. Like, yeah, it's plastic, right? I also Mostly. was just poking around on Google, and without doubt, there, you no matter what rabbit hole you go down, people are just saying, you know, the best coffee I've ever had came from an AeroPress. Yeah, like people just yeah. love and prefer the flavor, no matter what. Hands down, I'm like, yeah. I just gotta get one of these. Yeah, because it seems like a good way to make nice coffee. I should actually get one of those for the van. I wanted They're a special really forge. Yeah, no, this thing is Aero, super cool. Well, how much is AeroPress? Thirty bucks, fifty bucks. I got the XL one, which was. I think seventy five bucks. Seventy five bucks. Yeah, th- yeah, I think that's, that's like so it like makes two cups of three coffee. or four hundred dollars. Yeah, but um, I would probably go with like a medium roast espresso, my mm. preferred. Actually, or I'm just addicted to Starbucks cold brew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna sell out for Starbucks. Like the plain cold brew, cold brew? straight up cold brew. I like the Starbucks one. I'm a sucker for like a creamy yeah. iced coffee or a cold brew, but like black hot coffee mm-hmm. or sometimes cold. Yeah. You know, like a nitro cold brew. Oh. I, don't, I don't really like the nitro either. You're not a nitro mm-hmm. guy? See, I always... It's not cold I, enough. I kind of uh, like... kind of room temp. I like a lot of things, but I just change it up based on where I am. So if yeah. I'm at a cafe where I know someone knows how to pull a proper shot of espresso, mm-hmm. I'll absolutely get a cortado or, oh, sure. or just a shot of espresso. But if I'm at somewhere where I can tell like, eh, no one really knows what they're doing here, yeah. I'll just be like, yeah, just give me a latte or just give me a cold brew yeah. or something simple or just give mocha. me a black coffee and I'll put a little half and half in. Yeah, Jeff something. thought he invented a mocha about <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> He was like, oh, that, I'm just going to oh, put okay, a little that, chocolate powder was, in this I think tea. that was more like 20 years ago. Okay. <laughs> I, w- I was at a, a Supercross race at uh, Angel Stadium in Anaheim. I think I called it Anaheim Stadium. And and Cody, he's like, it's Angel Stadium. And he, I looked over at him. He had an Anaheim Angels, Angels hat on. Hat on. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. I'm a, not a baseball guy. My bad. Uh, but I've never been there for a baseball game, but I've been there a dozen times for a Supercross race. I think I must have been 15 years old. And uh, I had this idea. I was, I was like thinking, like when I was in line, the little concession stand and the little janky cafe in the stadium. And I was like, I'm going to have ask if they can mix a hot chocolate and a coffee. And I thought it was such a good idea. And so I go up there and I was like, look, this might be a total pain, but is there any possible way you could mix 
a coffee and a hot chocolate for me into one cup. And the lady just looks at me and goes, that's what a mocha is. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, oh, I didn't know that. Can I get that? And she just like doesn't say anything and just like rings me up, turns around and gives me the book. I was like, I had no I, idea. I used to Stupid do that. Kid. I used to do that all the time yeah. though. When uh, I think she maybe thought I was just being mean. So yeah. like I was trying to have like satire derogatory yeah, humor. Yeah. I was like, no, I like honestly thought that I was inventing something. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be great. Nowadays she thought she'd be on TikTok or something. Yeah. I used to do that for early morning rides when I was like 18 and I was trying to get to the group ride. I wasn't really a full coffee like drinker yet. But like I was like still like seven a.m. and I was like eighteen. Okay. Um, and I'd literally do the Keurig. I'd do one hot coffee or one hot chocolate and one hot coffee Ooh, in a cup, and then ride good. to the group ride with a mm-hmm. cup of coffee in my hand, like with a mocha in my hand. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, you know what it's all about right now is the peppermint hot chocolates. I haven't had one. The PSL yet. season is over. <laughs> PSL over. Peppermint season's in, dude. In. I already had one. <laughs> oh, of course you did. <laughs> I had lunch with Taylor, and she's like, "I think I'm gonna go get a peppermint." Hot chocolate at Starbucks. I was like, I'm coming. I'll have one. Peppermint mocha. <laughs> yeah, I could Ooh, get a peppermint, peppermint mocha. mocha. Too late in the day for that. But you're talking. Yeah, now we're talking. Nice. Well, speaking of mochas. Yeah, let's get back on the, uh, the bike train. <laughs> you did ask us to talk about coffee. They but. did. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. and we did. All right. I'm looking at the Ibis Ritmo or Ritmo AF as my next bike. I will be doing a frame-up build using parts off my old bike. Will I really notice the benefits of carbon for the added cost? Or would spending the extra cash on a carbon set of wheels... Or another upgrade, be more bang for the buck. Well, you know, we've kind of gone back and forth with this a few times in the past. Um, and I think I speak for you guys as well. When you go to the aluminum frame and you go with a little bit nicer suspension yeah. components and drivetrain brakes. Yeah. But it sounds like this guy's already got parts. Um, I don't but know. maybe he'll upgrade them if he saves some money by going with the alloy frame. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it... And when you start talking about like a Ritmo, right? Ritmo is a 140, 150 yeah, rear travel bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around there? Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact specs on a Ritmo or Ritmo AF and if like geo differs at all between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start kind of getting in that range, I think the carbon frames are so overbuilt and the alloy frames are just alloy that they're not too much different in weight. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I don't know, I almost lean towards the feeling of an alloy bike as a trail bike or enduro bike. And yeah, I just love nice components. Like I think suspension, brakes, wheels, and tires make a bigger difference than carbon or alloy frames to me. For sure. In my my preference. Agreed. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt after riding the Banshee the other day. I was like, you could have blindfolded me and tell me this is whatever material. Like yeah. honestly, it just it just felt amazing. Yeah, like, a good aluminum know. bike feels yeah. nearly identical. Who or cares? Just great. Yeah, it just, it I yeah, felt totally. So good. I totally say who cares on that too. Yeah, I used to be on the carbon train because they, you know, back in the day were way lighter. Yeah. Um. Now they're not. Like they've and, kind of made aluminum yeah. lighter as it's gotten more refined, and then they've just made carbon thicker and heavier and more layers because they're worried about warranty issues. So and, it's not. And there's certain bikes where you want it to be lighter, like a one thirty or under travel bike. Mm-hmm. But once you start getting above that, like, I don't know, riding bikes yes. that weigh 32, 35 pounds feel a little bit better and more planted in downhill mm-hmm. scenarios. So, yeah, you know, that and that frame weight is static, right? Like you strap on your multi-tool, your f- spares, you know, your tube, your big water bottle. Adding you're a couple you're adding three, four pounds right then and there. So, like, did yeah. that pound you really saved on the carbon really make up for it? Like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But that really light wheel set you'll feel 
Yeah. And you'll notice. Super nice wheel set. Save the money and go for a sick wheel set. Yeah. And good suspension. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean, just all around good components make a huge difference on a bike. So I would totally favor having an alloy frame with way better parts. I would also say in, in that realm, um, I like balance in that sense. Like what I've, what I've been bothered by over the years recently is if you have a, if you have kind of a, a frame that has maybe a slight bit more flex than other frames. And then you have a, a crazy stiff wheel set, mm-hmm. or if you have a really stiff frame and then a kind of a flexy-ish wheel set, like, yeah. I don't know, those kind of things have bugged me lately. So I kind of like to think, all right, let me make sure to kind of balance this out, like yeah. based on the frame. I don't want to go for one of those. I'm really not interested in those super harsh, rigid carbon wheels kind of want something where the frame and the wheels are kind of balanced together. Not neither one of them is too stiff or too flexy yeah. compared to the other. For sure. Yeah. It's getting agree. a little on the nerdy side there, but. I mean, good little, points. Little that's, nuances that I notice these days. So that's hmm. what makes a bike ride good, right? Like yes. you hop on a bike and it's like, oh, this bike feels really good. And it's like, why? It's like, I'm not really sure why, but yeah. the package is well packaged. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It is greater than the sum of its parts. It's funny enough. That's something that talking to Adam Miller, the, founder of Revel Bikes, he just kind of put in my head a lot because he was talking a lot about, um, you know, in the early days when we just started selling Revel and I met him and he was talking a lot about how they were working on balancing the bikes as the whole packages and the frames and, you know, getting the flex just right in the right spots, but in the stiffness right in other spots. And I was like, wow, he's really thought this stuff through. (laughs) (laughs) And then then I started becoming more aware of that and then noticing it more on the different bikes I rode. And yeah, yeah, it is, it is an important thing to pay attention to as you go further down the rabbit hole of like getting the bike just the right way you want it. For sure. Totally. Mm -hmm. Well, next question, Shelly. What is the most useless skill you possess? Well, Jared, since you said you knew yours, what is yours? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, So, you know, like if you're drinking you know, like soda or beer out of a can and you get down to like that point where it's maybe like a quarter or a third of the way full uh-huh. and then like you can balance it on the yeah. edge like that. <laughs> That's probably the most useless skill that I have. <laughs> is that a skill though? Or is that just like you understood physics once? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's so hard. Like, what what a skill is or isn't? I think all skills are valuable. It's technically a skill. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. call it a party trick, whatever you want, but. Balance well, in that case, I can open a beer bottle or I do no, a lot that. more uh, Coke, uh, mech, uh, bottle Cokes these days Yeah, mm-hmm. with my ring. But that's useful. Oh. Yeah, it's not useless. Is it that's useful or useless? That's, that's too useful. It's too useful. Something yeah. more useless than that. Mm-hmm. Well, regular like, tires. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that, that's mine, 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 mine that has now become day. useless is uh, I'm pretty good at gluing tubular tires. <laughs> Which most mountain bikers wouldn't even—they don't even know. (laughs) Why am I gluing my tires on? (laughs) Yeah, so like, pretty. When I first started wrenching, I wrenched for this small race shop, and uh, we had a masters crit team. So like, every couple weeks, I was gluing tubular tires and wrapping handlebars and like replacing derailleur cables. So I don't even want to get just a quick overview what a tubular tire is and why it has tubular tire is an entire, basically road tire. They're, they're a little bit on a mountain bike. Nino used to race them up until maybe yeah, six so years ago. Really? Dugast tubular tires. Whoa. Um, so it's a tire that is a complete like circle, mm-hmm. sealed circle, uh, rubber all around. And then the bottom is uh, cotton. And they, they also call them sew-ons because they sew the cotton to the rubber tire. Hmm. Um, so they also call them sew-ons. Uh, then you glue that to a rim, which doesn't have a channel for your your beads to sit in. It's just basically like a triangle, flat on top, little curved surface. 
and you glue that on there. So your tire is literally glued to the rim. Um, what it does is it there's no sidewalls and rims and beads, so it's really comfortable. Um, so you can run pretty low pressures. It has it had much better traction than bikes with tubes in them and regular like clincher style setups. Um, and they were able to make lighter rims, but such has technology surpassed that. Uh, probably passed that a long time ago, but no one wants to give stuff up right away. Uh, they are now obsolete and barely ever used. So yeah. a little bit in the in the pro tour still, but they're mostly still on. They're mostly on tubeless setups now. It's still used on the track in Velodrome, but wow, I heard that might get pulled out of the Olympics. And if that's pulled out of the Olympics, then Whoa. that's disappearing. What? Hmm. Yeah, because it's become such an equipment race that uh, only a couple of countries that pour a ton of budget into it can actually compete because they're so aerodynamic focused now. And that, you need that that X company, X country that doesn't have this massive right. government funding track racing. You know, that makes so, sense. Yeah, if you can't afford. So that's my yeah. useless skill. What's yours, Jeff? I don't know. Anything more useless than that? Uh, you know the back of Disneyland map, like <laughs> the back of your head. Maybe, maybe knowing how to uh, transfer a lot of data from an Android phone to an iPhone and vice versa. <laughs> Not that many people need that skill. <laughs> no, I'd still call still that pretty useful. That's pretty useful. We need more useless than that. Like you said, you're doing like Tai Chi or something. Or... Oh, Qigong. Qigong. <laughs> Qigong. Yeah, at some point I, I was uh, at a conference and one of the guys there, he's actually a really interesting entrepreneur. He sort of brought Qigong, which is similar to Tai Chi. He brought that whole exercise to the United States and made a whole business of uh, selling curriculum and a subscription course and making classes. And wow. It's it's cool. It's, it's, sort of a, it's sort of a combination between yoga and Tai Chi, I guess you could say. It's a little bit more active and movement and it's about stretching. Um, oh, that's a random... I guess that's a useful that's a useful skill though. When I was doing that more, I was <laughs> but you're not using it anymore. I was more, more flexible. <laughs> I was more limber. I should start doing it more. It's pretty fun. <laughs> then it would be useful. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh, true. Nice. I like that. Yeah. All right. Difference between useful and useless <clears throat> is objective. That's true. Subjective. Not objective. That's objective is scientifically proven with data and facts, and you can't. Subjective is more opinionated. Let's move on to our next question. Is that an objective? <laughs> Just making sure you had that correct. <laughs> an objective or a subject. You can't mix those ones up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, next question. Dear Worldwide Celery, I know people are going to think this is an ad, but it's not. I live in Jeff's Leaf's favorite state, the state of Ohio, and as it's cooling down, I'm looking for some good active pants for trail riding. Can you walk me through some of the differences between your pant offerings? Specifically, I require a generous cut, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm wondering if you could speak to how these pants may fit and if there are differences between them in their overall fitment. P.S. Does Jeff Weightweenie worry about how heavy his clothes are or only his bike parts? <laughs> it goes way farther than that. <laughs> Oh yeah, they just see my wallet. Your <laughs> yeah, your wallet. Your wallet. Your uh, your travel kit is lightweight. Yeah, he's got. He has started adding way more weight to his travel kit, though. Some things. He brought a Some speaker things. somewhere. <laughs> Dude, I thought I would never in a million years do that, and then I got that little Sono speaker, and I was like, "This is really nice to travel with." <laughs> I was I just like, "I'm just gonna carry it." Well, he, he part of me out is a speaker somewhere, and I was like. Where was that? Where I you're think you were in Canada. Yeah. And I was like, you part of me you is saw uh, that in your bike bag? I was, I was like, shocked no. when I saw that. Well, part of me is like, ah, I'm just going to be super lightweight and minimalist. And the other part of me is like, well, you know what? 
I'm going to carry a big heavy backpack because it's good exercise and I want to get more exercise and people carry heavy things. I want to carry heavy things. I'm just yeah. going to put all the stuff in my backpack. <laughs> so <laughs> I have these two two arguments in my head. I'm like, I'll just take, yeah, I got room for the speaker. I'll take the speaker too. <laughs> so I don't know. It depends on the trip. Oh, but, that's great. Um, as far as the kettle pants, this, this is a hard challenge because when we were getting into the apparel business, and this is like any product-based business, you know, you, you always make these different products and as the product developer and designer, you get so intimately familiar with the products and the differences and you understand all of it because you see it and you designed it. And you don't realize that once you bring this stuff to market, people just see three pairs of pants or three pedals or three grips and are like, oh, what was the difference here? And and then you start explaining it and then you realize like, wait, my explanations aren't making sense because I'm just so far removed from in the weeds the the newer the newcomer to these products so i don't know it is a challenge we we recently updated the kettle website to where um if you you go to you know the pants collection it has the three pairs of pants right at the top and then it gives you a little snippet sentence and then three bullet points of what it is for and what it's like for all three different pairs we did that with the tops too and the shorts so i don't know we're trying to do these things same thing with the trail one site we try to do it with the stems right like here yeah. are the clear differences of the stems the grips which when it comes to bike parts, it's almost easier in a, some sense because yeah. the price points, people kind of understand what it is based on the price point. When it comes to certain things like apparel, you have three pairs of pants that are all similar in weight. Yeah. And yeah. So anyways, to actually answer this guy's question, um, the fit is not all that different on these three pairs of pants. So the we've gone with a somewhat tapered fit for all the all the pants um, off the bat, and then we're going to offer a relaxed fit version as sort of an additional thing, which is coming next spring. Um, yeah, because like we wanted to make the you know the small brand, you can only make so many fitments off the bat, and then you got to add more inseams and colors and different styles of fit and things like that later. Um, but they're all a bit tapered. Um, and yeah, I'll just refer you to go look at our newly designed thing that tells you the difference between them. Mm. The Shenanigan Pant, as wrote on here, mm-hmm. durable, lightweight outdoor pant. Mm. The Tomfoolery Chino Pant, versatile travel pant. And the Vent Lightweight Pant is a featherweight joggerish active pant. That's what I'm wearing right now. It's also the lightest weight one. Joggerish. Uh, so, but joggerish. I love that word. He said for riding, and if I just had to pick one for riding, I'd probably shoot Shenanigan. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's made out of the same material as our Skidmark pants, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Skidmark, Skidmark mountain, mountain bike shorts. Short, yeah, that's Skidmark the same mountain bike short. Yeah, they're all three different fabric and three yeah. different designs. Um, and I rode in the Shenanigan pant uh, both days last weekend. Did you? I did a shuttle day and a pedal day. Did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. good. They're yeah. good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, nice. the Shenan- I mean, none of the pants for Kettle are mountain bike specific. Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll get there at some point, but um, we did that make mountain bike specific shorts and a jersey and stuff. But for the pants, we're worried about other categories that we want to target first. So we'll get to a mountain bike specific thing. But if you want to just go straight up, um, you know, right now with the pants, yeah, shenanigan pants, as you said, Liam, yeah. work, work pretty good. That's and a it, super durable <laughs> fabric. If I was going to tell someone a mountain bike in any of them, I would say the same thing. And it has the most secure waist closure, yeah, waist closure. closure yep. system that wraps all the way around as yep. well, which is super nice for mm. outdoor activities and riding a bike. Yep. Love it. I love my mm-hmm. Skidmark shorts. Probably, yeah, those things have really taken off. Probably my favorite nice. pair of mountain bike shorts have gotten. Also, I don't know what I said about Ohio, but it's not my least favorite state. <laughs> what is? I don't know. Right, I don't, don't want to send anything because someone's going to be offended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Time for one more question, I think. 
quickly. Um, all right. Carbon, Rip aluminum, it. they get all the attention. Do you ever consider steel when thinking of a new bike? P.S. Viva Bean, the cat. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, actually, that Reeb that we had in the shop. Was or your, cool. And the production privy. The production Which privy. is part steel, part carbon. Yep. Um, that bike rips. I love that yeah. production privy too. Which we have some in stock. Wow. Yeah. Do we really? Yeah, that is cool. Those things are rad. So if you want an extremely rare off the wall bike that you mm. can be rest assured no one else is going to have at any given trailhead any day in North America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Production privy is rats making amazing bikes. We got to actually meet the the designer and developer of those bikes. Yeah. Um, and we were out in Andorra and they're killer. It's it that is a unique, interesting setup doing carbon rear end, steel front end. Totally. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I've, I'm a steel curious. Steel curious. <laughs> I, I would, I'm also steel curious. I'm also steel curious. That Reeb came in. We that built Reeb, up a Reeb. Dude, that looked, so that cool. looked really, that bike looked What, what model awesome. is that? That was the SST. SST is like a 120, 130 rear travel bike with like a 130, 144. Yeah. And it, it hopped, I hopped on it and I rode it through the parking lot. I was like, whoa, this is, feels like a big BMX bike. Like right? I would love yeah. to feel solid. have some fun on this and just see what it felt like. So yeah. Um, yeah. We sure have considered steel. We're all still curious. We're still curious. And I know Nico tried steel out yeah. for his downhill bike. He's and he said one. there's some really cool characteristics mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that he, I think he put, went to put into his alloy bike mm-hmm. um, by trying that steel front end. So yeah, still curious here. Yeah. Worldwide is still cool. curious. Lo- there's something cool about just like the durability and like the forever aspect to some of these metals, you know, yeah. that like you don't really get that kind of like character from carbon a lot of the time, you no. know, yeah. like from those, like the metal, you just kind of get that, like, I don't know, almost handmade, yeah. even though it probably wasn't handmade. I'm pretty sure those are made by Roadbots, right? The the production privy steel ones. Partly. Partly. Product, yeah. Partly yeah. The production privies are actually made by a, like, like a five or maybe more than five axis uh, welding jig ro- welding robot wow. and then finished by hand. But that's cool. It's really cool the way they can do that. Yeah. I don't know how totally. the reeves are made at all. It's super cool. Yeah. But yeah, you, you know, I mean, you just get that feel like that it's been, you know, manufactured with care and like more personal feel. Yeah. yeah. So in other words, yes, we are considering. Yeah, steel. Absolutely. We're also considering ending the show. Oh, thank you very much for listening. Genuinely appreciate it. Uh, yeah, seriously. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, we're going to have some more guests coming in next year. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have our MTB trending products of the entire year coming out in early January. We've got a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff on the docket, so Mm -hmm. stay tuned. Albeit it's the off season mountain bike media is pumping. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify podcast. We really appreciate it. And if you screenshot the review and send it over to podcast at worldwidecyclery.com, Jared will give you a present. Yes, I will. Actually. And send us any questions to podcast at worldwidecyclery.com. We appreciate that. Thank you and goodbye. Thank good, you and good night. Good night and good luck. Love you. Good night and good luck. <laughs> Was that the Anchorman one? Good night and good luck. Oh, I don't know. That's from actually. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. That's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs>